Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on our biweekly mission to explore our favorite franchise. My name's Jarrah, and thanks for tuning in. Today with us, we have crew members Andy. Hey, everyone. And Sue. Hi, everybody. And before we get into our main topic, which is one that's it's a suggestion of various listeners, we are just need to remind you about the Women at Warp Patreon, which is how we support our show through donations from amazing listeners like you. Helps us keep the show up and running and uh, helps us get out to conventions to promote the show and do other things like that. And in exchange, you get access to exclusive bonus content. So if you're able to pledge even a small monthly donation, you can head over to patreon.com slash women at warp. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash women at warp. And thank you for your support. We also wanted to remind you that Another way you can support our show is to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. It helps other people find us and lets us know what you're thinking about our show. So thanks so much for doing that. Now, on to our main topic. We have had a few listeners suggest that we sort of tackle rewriting, in a way, a sexist episode or a problematic episode of Star Mm -hmm. Trek. So basically, like... If you were going to do that, this concept, how would you have done it better? Because we, we do a lot of, you know, critical analysis of the shows, but what could have made this an awesome episode? And so we had to pick an episode that was salvageable. Um, so like, I would argue <laughs> Wolf in the Fold may be a lost cause. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, uh, you know, a favorite son from Voyager. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not really possible to rewrite it to be awesome. Although if you have ideas for that, write us an email at crewwomenatwarp.com and uh, we'd be happy to hear them. So we picked one that was, I think, could be better, Mm -hmm. which is the original series episode Miri. So in talking about the original series, we know we're going to run into issues of, well, that would never happen on 60s TV. And I think that, at least in my mind, I'm thinking about if we were to do this story or see this story now, how I would want it to be different. Interesting. I I mean, I think all of my suggestions you could have done on 60s TV, so. Well, I'm just thinking we did, back when we did our um, gender-swapped or gender-bent TOS crew, we got a couple comments of, well, that would never happen on 60s TV. You mean on 60s TV, they wouldn't do a crew of, you know, five women (laughs) of color kicking ass? Right. I just (laughs) would like to point that out that we know, we know, because this is what they made. It's a thought experiment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think that we don't want to restrict ourselves too much. We want to stick to the concept because otherwise we're just inventing a new episode. But I think that we should be a little bit flexible and have a bit of fun with it. So, exactly. you know, let's uh, not hamstring ourselves to the period, but we could discuss like what would have been possible and what might be have been more of like a, you know, 2010s fantasy. <laughs> so first thing I would change is the title of the episode. I would change it to be Bonk Bonk. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, just generally, I will say about this episode that it does a, a way better job of, ta- of of showing children as truly terrifying than And the Children <laughs> Shall Lead. See, 
I get really frustrated with this episode and how they're portraying children. Because, like, these aren't five-year-olds, but they're writing them like they're, like, infants on the Flintstones. Like, oh, children are more intelligent than that. Yeah, I mean, what did you – yeah, so what did, did you – I had the same thought. Did you also, Andy, about, like, this – the theory they're operating on is, like, if you leave children alone and their bodies stay the same for, like, a 100 years – their minds will also stay the same because no adults are around to tell them differently. Yeah, no. And I don't 100% believe that. Especially because yeah. some of the, them are like 12 or 13. Right. They're they're young teenagers. They're prepubescent. Yeah. <laughs> like, very explicitly. We were having more intelligent conversations than, like, teacher get bonk bonk at 13 <laughs> years old. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think it was kind of supposed to be a, like, Lord of the Flies type thing where, like, yes. their society broke down and so they kind of went feral. But it, it did not ring true to me, no. If you're asking me if the children seemed realistic, the answer is no. But also, Miri didn't speak that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, how old did you think Miri was supposed to be? We're we're not really rewriting right this minute, but I'm I'm just kind of curious. Like 14, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. The actress was actually 19, it looks like. That makes me feel a little better. So, but before we get too far into this, we should probably summarize this episode for anyone who doesn't remember Miri. Are you serious? No one remembers Bonk Bonk? Bonk Bonk. (laughs) I'm just calling it that from now on. That's the best suggestion ever. (laughs) (sighs) Oh. Yeah. Anyone want to take a stab at that, Andy? Sure. So the crew and some randoms, they transport to Earth 2, apparently. And it's all, like, abandoned and everything. And then this guy who looks like he has leprosy jumps out because they touched his tricycle. (laughs) 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 That's my favorite part, by the way. And it turns out that on this planet, all of the adults like, contracted this disease that killed them, but also made them angry and mean. And so nothing is left but children, and they do a little sciencing and find out that as the children age very, very, very slowly, once they hit puberty, they get the disease and then they start to die. And then the crew starts to get the disease and they get some pretty cool purple lesions on their body and then they do some sciencing and fix it all, and there's some bonk bonking. Yeah. Footnote: We will definitely be Sue's sciencing corner, science cornering in this <laughs> episode. As I was watching this, there was like every ten minutes, I'd be like, "Oh God, Sue's science corner needs to address this." <laughs> oh boy. Uh yeah, and uh, the main character, whose name is Miri whose name was the title of the episode until we changed it. It's now Bonk Bonk. A pretty name for a pretty young woman. Yeah, exactly. So creepy. She's turning into an adult, and so she gets the lesions, and I guess that's why we have to save them? Anyways. I kind of like parts of this episode, but other parts are like, what What are you doing? Yeah. It has some moments. It's uh, it's not like my least favorite, but it's got some weirdness too. Mm-hmm. Also, apparently in the original script, 
there was a character referred to as Fat Little Boy in the script. So great, great. excellent, <laughs> great. Uh, well, we don't. We already don't have to rewrite that because that got written out. Good for them. Yeah. So this episode has my earliest Star Trek memory in Ooh, it. What is that? Like before I even remember watching TNG years ago, I remember being I don't know how old, like three maybe, and seeing Rand trying to get Kirk's attention. That mm-hmm. whole scene of like, I always try and get you to look at my legs. Look at my legs now, Captain. That is my very first Star Trek memory. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilariously random. Right? I don't I don't even know why. But like that has stuck with me for 30 plus years. That's awesome. Way to go, Miri. Bonk <laughs> yep. bonk. So right off the bat, I wanna say that the first thing I would change is why does this have to be an Earth 2? It doesn't mm. make any sense that there we would find Earth, another Earth, somewhere out here. It makes no sense. And they never explain that, do they? Yeah, no, they never explain it. It doesn't change anything about the actual episode. It just gives you a kind of, like, mysterious feeling right up th- up front. Like, oh, look, it's another Earth. That's kind of weird. But that could be achieved by a lot of things. And it's not like we need to have it look and, like, they even have the same continents. I was like, hey, Michigan, that's where I am. <laughs> You know, like, it doesn't make any sense, and they could have just gotten rid of that, and then you wouldn't have to sit there and go, wait, what? Why is there an exact replica of Earth, 60s Earth, in the middle of space? That makes no sense. Low budgets? Yeah, but they don't actually have to say (laughs) it's Earth. How many times do we go to planets and they look like 60s Earth, but nobody says anything? It's true. And really, if they had just turned the image of the Earth upside down, nobody would have recognized it anyway. Yeah. They also could have gone with, like, it's a terraformed colony of, like, isolationists. Mm. Yeah, there's literally anything would have made more sense. If they need to be drawn to the planet, like, that's the hook that they have in the first little, you know, the teaser before the credits is like, oh, gosh, it's Earth. They could have been like... We're here to check up on this terraformed colony because no one's heard from them in a while or something. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like the kids also didn't necessarily have to be a hundred years old. So they could have, it could have been like, no one's heard from them in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, it just was a weird detail to me that they never actually explain or follow up on. So why put it in there? So there's my first change for you all. All right. So, but what do we change it to? I think your idea was good. All right. It's a terraformed colony that they haven't heard from in a while. Yep. Unspecified amount of time. They can specify later. Mm -hmm. So that's the teaser. Um, The other thing they could have done was just, it's an alien planet and we're going to paint the sky a different color. Mm -hmm. That always seems to work. It's cool looking. I dig it. Well, it always seems to happen. They need a reason to be there, though, so... Well, they have a distress signal. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's smart. Okay, so distress signal from a planet that is either an alien planet with a weird sky color to make it look alien, or a terraform colony of people who really like the 60s. Yeah, totally. It was like industrial space hippies. (laughs) I will say, though, okay... As much as I think it's silly that they 
made the point of pointing out that it was like Earth 2. The Mm -hmm. actual set was pretty cool. I thought it looked very eerie and very interesting, and I I dug their set. Like, I thought it looked awesome. That's one of my favorite things about the episode, is how creepy it was. Yep. This is also the only episode where Janice goes on an away mission. Yes, and sadly, that is the second thing I'd change. Yes, I was going to say, which possibly it's the same thing. Wait, you, wait, you wouldn't send her or you'd have it go differently at the beginning? I wouldn't send her. I don't understand um, why she's there. She's a yeoman or whatever. She brings Kirk's suit. <laughs> yes. I would send Chapel. I would send oh. Chapel and Uhura. That's the um, first change I would make. Uhura's their idea. communications person and Chapel's their 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 nurse. Like she doesn't have to be down there the at first, but she could transport down as soon as they figure out what they're dealing with. For as many times as they're beaming down to make first contact, Uhura is certainly not on enough landing parties. Exactly. But they instead they bring Rand, and obviously the only reason that they brought Rand is so she could be Weirdly jealous. A point of jealousy for Miri, yes, and so she could be a damsel. There is no actual story reason for her to be there. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love Rand and I'd love to see her in more episodes and I really hate taking her out of this one, it doesn't make sense that she's in the landing party. Yeah, although, I mean, we see Yeoman in other episodes be in the landing party and kick ass. Like, I'm thinking about Martha Landon and the Apple where, like, clearly they have to have Starfleet training. Um, I mean, to be, f- it does, you're right, like, there isn't a super, given the lack of function we see for her on the ship, which we talked about in our Rand episode, uh, Beehive of Power, um, mm-hmm. that, um, you're right that she doesn't seem to have a good reason to be on the away team, but maybe, like, the yeomen also are, like, bonus security staff. I would be totally down for that, but easier to me is probably just putting Chapel in there instead. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I didn't consider that. I was just going to say that my thought was like the very first thing. So they get down there and like you said, the old dude get attacks them to get to his tricycle. And <laughs> Janice holds McCoy and cowers behind him. Yeah. <laughs> and so my my first change was going to be Janice Rand is the one who knocks him out. Yeah. Uh, like, Martha Landon is, like, kicking guys in the face in the apple. So, I think that's a possibility. But I kind of like the possibilities that your idea leads better. And then Chapel can be the one who knocks him out. (laughs) Yeah. Or she can, like, stick him him with an injection of something that makes him, like, sedates him, but Mm. isn't supposed to kill him, but then he dies. Because the the other members of the landing party are just two random red shirts, and then our our boys, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. So it, there's no reason at all that we can actually let's bring them all. Let's just bring Rand, Chapel, and Uhura with us, and yeah. uh, that'll be that. And we'll <laughs> let also- Rand karate chops this guy, this leper, in the face. <laughs> yes, because like Kirk punches him like three times while the red shirts just kind of stand there like, with their <laughs> with their phasers out. They're like the they're the type of security guys that are more about watching than doing. No, see, I wonder if, like, the chief of security on the Enterprise is like, look, you're going down on a landing party with Kirk. Just let him beat the guys up. Just don't worry about it. He'll get upset if you don't. Yeah, he's one of those guys who, like, his ego just can't deal with it if he's not the one to punch him personally. Can you totally see that, though? 
Yes. <laughs> okay, I will say, though, that this also, this first scene includes something I would never give up in a million years, and it's McCoy looking seriously at the tricycle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love how long that shot is, but, like, they all, it's like two of them pick up the tricycle and examine it, like... <laughs> Yeah. Everything about this heavy-handed metaphor is amazing. Okay, I love it. The way he, like, gently cradles it and then, like, puts it back while looking at it and the broken wheel just kind of spinning. It's amazing. The whole thing is amazing. We have to keep that. I I would, I would, we must. Sure. I also dig the leper and his dirty (laughs) thing. (laughs) Also, why? Why would he care about this tricycle if he was like 14 or whatever exactly (laughs) i love it i love everything about it keep it (laughs) it makes me laugh as you might be able to tell yeah that makes sense all right so then they go into this old house and they find miri and i think we all have stuff to change about this scene yeah yeah, I mean, I had a lot of, I was, like, trying to mull over ideas, like, did I want Miri, like, would I switch genders for John, who's, like, the leader of the the Lost Boysy, Lord of the Fliesy gang of kids versus Miri? I don't know that it necessarily matters, but I think that, like, unfortunately, we kind of go down the path with Miri not being super interesting very early on. First thing I would change is she'd be the leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Second thing I'd change is she wouldn't be crying. Yep. Third thing I'd change is that she wouldn't just be, like, suddenly switch from being, like, terrified to whatever, like, puppy dog by Kirk telling her she's pretty and being kind of creepy. And see, that is what I would change. Because she yep. starts talking to them before he ever gives her that, quote, compliment. and. Yeah. There are so many things that you can say to compliment a woman slash girl that aren't pretty. Like, yeah. she's brave. She's courageous. She's a yeah. good leader. She's clearly smart. There's yes. so many other things that you can say in that, in that conversation other than, oh, but you're so pretty. Exactly. And then and it's additionally creepy because it's like a pretty name for a pretty young woman. Yeah. And she's like, pretty? very pretty and you're just like kirk is super creepy kirk keeps talking about how she's becoming a woman yeah that is gross you're becoming a woman you're a lovely young it's so gross also now we have rand uhura and chapel there so there's more people who could be involved in this conversation in different ways Mm -hmm. yeah see the way i would like to see it is Miri is in charge, and instead of them wandering in on her crying, she is by herself because she just found her first leprosy spot, and she realizes that she's Mm. sick, and she's Mm. trying to figure out how to save herself. Like, I would like her to just be more proactive. Yeah. And then she meets these adults, and she's like, you're the first grups? We can keep grups. I'm fine with it. Yeah. You're the first grups that are completely mental that, that I've seen in 
however many years, because we did decide that it didn't necessarily need to be 300 years later or whatever, maybe they can help me and, like, have her have an intelligent conversation to them about mm-hmm. what's going on. And she can still be scared. I would be scared. Mm-hmm. But I just don't need her to be, like, weepy, wilting flower. Yeah. Yeah, and she still doesn't know exactly what's going on because she would have been a baby when, or, like, you know, when the the Grups were attacking people and going crazy and, like, trying to develop this research, like, she wouldn't have known, they don't know the nature of the illness, but she could still more clearly explain, like, people got sick and they were, mm-hmm. you know, they hurt people and this is, this might happen to you. Like, she could still build suspense that way without having to give them all the information. Mm-hmm. And then, actually, you know, maybe... Part of her thing, I mean, she sort of does this, but she could be sort of, like, trying to hide the whereabouts of the other kids from them. Like, maybe she doesn't totally trust them, and so she's, or, like, and she knows the other kids won't trust them, so maybe she could be still, like, preventing them from their objectives somehow. Yeah. I just see her, like, I think it would be better if, instead of damseling, she was a leader slash envoy. Yeah. For the Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe she uh, secretly has a crush on Uhura. Yeah. Because who wouldn't? <laughs> I'd love that. If, instead of staring at Kirk, she was like, Uhura, holy. Like, that's what I would do, <laughs> to be honest. But anyways. I, I, that, that's the thing though, is like right off the bat, do we want to change the fact that her, the markers for her adulthood are her sexuality? Because hmm. that's all, the, the underlying like message of Miri is that like becoming an adult equals having like romantic or sexual feelings, mm-hmm. which weirds me out. Yeah. I mean, I would be okay with it if it was in addition to her, like, intelligence and grasp of the reality of the situation. Like, if it, if the other kids were more able to, like, continue to live in this sort of Peter Pan fantasy, but she was, like, really realizing this was, like, shit was about to go down, like you were saying, like, realizing she was getting sick and stuff. I would be more okay with it if it was, like, just an, a thing that was happening in addition to that, and not, like, the central reason they all know she's becoming a woman. Yeah. Right. It's very linked to puberty, the mm-hmm. whole thing. So, and especially, now I'm doing it for the time it was made, right? That's how, even even into, like, probably now, how puberty is explained to children, mm-hmm. right? You're going to start having sexual feelings. They should totally show her getting her period. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, they would not do that. Yeah, that'll happen. And like Janice Rand just like pulls a tampon out of her beehive. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, she's like it's not just for coffee. But they'd have to use blue liquid because you know you can't show yes. menstrual blood on TV. Clearly, that is not sixties appropriate television that I just imagined. <laughs> but oh. uh, yes, so you know, going back to more 60s approved television. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, it is, it's definitely creepy because they keep referring to like, to, you know, she's becoming a young woman. She, like, she loves you kind of thing. She's sexually mature now, so this is totally not creepy. And it does not matter to me that she's like supposedly over a hundred when they make those jokes and like stuff like that because she is for uh, like under the premise of the episode, of the original episode, not our, our rewrite clearly not mentally that age mm-hmm. like she is yeah. very clearly like in puppy love with kirk and not able to exercise any kind of sexual or romantic agency so that does not matter to me it's still creepy you know one thing i wouldn't change though is the character design first of all oh yeah she's rocking a cool dress but more importantly one of the lost boys is wearing like a groucho Marx mask <laughs> that's like half yes. cut off and that's amazing. And we need to keep that. <laughs> and there's another one is wearing like a Hawaiian shirt that's just like buttoned at the navel. <laughs> ah, I love it. Like he's like the studliest kid in this group. He's just like, <laughs> look at me. I'm basically on Hawaii Five-0. <laughs> I also, I mean, I think that Kim Darby, who plays Miri, is a really excellent actress. Like, Yeah, I think she was good. She, yeah, she was really yeah, good. She's compelling in this role. So she can keep a role. She It's just gonna, we're making her a better role. So, oh yeah, because then, okay, because this scene continues with, he doesn't just say she's pretty, but then, like, she tells him, him her name, like, and he says his name's Jim, and she's like, I like that name. Good. I like yours, too. I like you. Do you really? I wouldn't lie to you. I wouldn't lie to you either, Jim. Like, he clearly n- knows that he's, like, using her crush on him to get her to trust him and like sort of like leading her on in a way it's pretty creepy super creep super creepy and i mean he does this all the time yeah but as far as he knows at this point she's like 14 yeah so like that's pretty gross but i mean i think we sort of said that we were hoping she would be able to have more rational conversations so mm-hmm. hopefully she realizes she's getting sick and they get her to trust them by talking about the illness and how, like, they can help. I don't mind so much that she has a crush on Kirk. I mind a lot that he seems to be fueling it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is gross. Yeah. What could he do differently without alienating her? Talk to her like a human? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just just pretend that it's not happening, kind of, like, and carry on the conversation instead of, mm-hmm. like, I like you. You're so pretty. And he also, like, at one point in the episode, like, tilts her head up. Like, like, yeah. And that is just, like, oh, that's really, super gross. really intimate gesture to me. Yeah. Yep. But, and we yeah. could also have Rand not reacting the way that she is. Yes. Yeah. Which doesn't start yet, but yeah. And I mean, another thing we could do since Uhura is here now is like, maybe Uhura at this point is like off with Spock or Rand or someone like investigating the communication signal. Mm. Because they they just kind of like write that off too. They're like, we found the building where the signal is. Yeah. But maybe they could actually investigate it. <laughs> and like tell us something interesting about it. And I think Chapel would be a great choice to be talking to Miri at this point yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah, I like that. Just make it less between Miri and Kirk and more like Miri and other adults. 
<laughs> just include them in that conversation so it's more of a group conversation than one-on-one? <laughs> so are we good with this point? We can go on to the next scene? Yeah. Which is what? The na-na-na-na-na stuff? Uh, no, they're in the lab next. So okay. Miri takes them to the lab after she's like, no, that's a bad place. That's where bad things happened at the lab. And that's where they're also like, we also found the transmitter. Mm. Anyway, so <laughs> maybe, you know, at this point, they meet back up with Uhura and stuff who say, like, we found the transmitter and... You know, it was, it's been active for like 30 years or something like that. Or maybe Miri figured out how to activate it or I don't know, something that was. I think it would be a good opportunity for some exposition Mm -hmm. that doesn't all come from Miri. Yep. So if you split some of the exposition between that and like the distress signal, maybe the distress signal could have more information from the adults Mm -hmm. before they all died. Yes. That would make sense. So I'm just going to read the next line, and I'm going to ask for a Sue Science Corner opinion on this. Oh, no. (laughs) So the next line is McCoy examining the blotches. A veritable zoo of bacteria. Beam down a biocomputer and portable electronic microscope. If I'm dealing with viruses, I'll need better equipment than I have here. (sighs) I mean... At this point, I can cut a little bit of slack because so he's they're using like this old timey microscope. And I think what he's trying to say is I can't see viruses, but there might be viruses. But he does see bacteria and the two can coexist. Yes. But later on, it gets worse. But I feel like that's the first point where the starts narrative starts to crack, like where they're just start to be making stuff up and then it gets worse. Yeah. So bacteria. And and virus is not the same. Mm-hmm. And a huge problem in our current, you know, medical treatment is that people go after antibiotics when they have a virus mm-hmm. and thus creating superbugs and lowering our resistance, et cetera, et cetera. So <laughs> not the same. Definitely not great. I don't – yeah, I, I am – this is not my field, so I don't want to expound too much on it, but – I don't know. A lot of the times it feels like they just grabbed sciencey medical sounding words and just put them together. Yeah, like I feel like it would be it would have been better if something like maybe McCoy had talked about like I can see decay or I can see like some sort of degradation of the tissue, but I can't tell what's at work here and I'll need better equipment. Like maybe that would have been made a bit more sense um just given where things are going. Yeah. Because we later learn that this is, like, basically um, engineered viruses that are supposed to sustain life. So if they had, like, engineered viruses that had begun, I don't know, somehow it sustained, it made life longer. But then when you hit puberty, you all, you get super sick and you die. You would have observed, like, the effects but not the cause. Yeah. Right. And it's just, if it was genetic modification, then Mm -hmm. I don't think that... It would make sense for it to be either bacteria or a virus if they're saying it is based on the modifications that they were making. It would just mm-hmm. happen. Or maybe it's because – but no, that wouldn't make sense because the landing party gets the lesions, right? Yeah. So – Yeah, so it can't just be genetic. Like, it has to be transmittable, but – I think they should have stuck with just something like pathogen. Yeah. 
instead of trying to to narrow it down and mix stuff up. But I mean, yeah. Star Trek does that all the time and changes galaxy and universe a lot, which <laughs> drives me up the wall. But um, I did think it was interesting that McCoy says electronic microscope. Yep. The electron microscope was was created in the 1930s. So mm. that technology did exist. And I wonder, I just don't know if it was called an electronic microscope before then or if they just like meant one he has to plug into a wall. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, if they don't, did they have electricity? I guess so. I mean, okay, well, I mean, I guess he would have had batteries right. or something. Like, it w- they wouldn't have had to actually Power have, Power like, is not an issue for the landing party. <laughs> He's not like, send me a 1960s-era microscope that <laughs> plugs in, please. Um, but I think it just meant, like, because the one he's using doesn't even have an electric light in it. It just is relying on a mirror, I think. Right, but if he's like. saying he wants to see viruses, I'm assuming that they meant an electron, electron microscope. microscope rather yeah, than... That's true. One that has Why an electric light. <laughs> Well, and then, okay, so here also they hail Enterprise and they get random, like, Lieutenant Farrell, who's in charge of everything, even though in the original Uhura wasn't anywhere and neither was Scotty. Yep. So let's get Lieutenant Farrell. To be fair, it's the eighth episode of the series. Yes. So they those rules haven't really settled in the writer's room yet. Sure. Maybe we take Uhura out of the landing party and put her in charge of the ship. Yeah, and then we could just have more cool stuff happening on the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because a lot of this middle part drags anyway. Yeah, I think we can probably make better use of Uhura on the ship. I don't think we've used her too much already, except for she's investigating the communications thing. So maybe... And Spock can do that. Yeah, Spock can do that. That works. And I just really would love to see Uhura in charge of the ship. Yes. Acting Captain Uhura. Yes. Alright, so at this point, Kirk is like, no one else is coming down from the ship, and no one else is going up, because we're quarantining ourselves. Fairly smart. smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they're like, also, Spock isn't getting sick. Okay, good point. And then they start reading stuff around the lab, and they find that it is a genetics book called The Life Prolongation Project. So, that's that's what the bad thing was that went Bonk, bonk. (laughs) (laughs) See, if if human beings could just stop trying to defeat death, so much problems would be avoided. Haven't these people seen Pet (laughs) Cemetery? It always goes wrong. Yes. All right. So they beam down the computer, etc., etc. So uh, they're still in the lab, but it's later. And this is when McCoy starts to describe the virus, saying it's tubular. And I don't think he means, like, the slang. Probably <laughs> this is an awesome t- virus, man. Cowabunga. <laughs> this virus is bogus. <laughs> it's tubular with extreme multi- multiplicability with an affinity for nucleic acids. So it's eating your DNA. Is that correct? Slash RNA. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, either that or it's mating with it. I'm not sure just, what affinity that's means. It's like a word salad of science-y yes. crap. So, I mean, okay. Um, and we scrapped the thing so it's not 300 years ago now. But then they're like, but it's because glands, right? Yeah, it's totally because of glands. I mean, everything's because of glands, Jarrah. 
Yeah. We learned that in the episode where Wesley and Jordy talk about sex. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And this is the part where they were basically like, kids are like wild animals. And without adults, they're just going to stay that way. But then they're like, but Miri's not like that because she likes Jim. She's becoming a woman. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So what is our theory on these kids? Okay, this is another thing, is I really wish they had either gone full Children of the Corn or full Lost Boys, because they've got a weird mix here of, like, they're kind of feral and creepy and, like, Malachi-ish, and then, or they're, like, kind of cute and fun, and it's, like, a really weird amalgamation of those two things, and it's, like, pick a genre, guys, pick a genre. Yeah, I agree. And I think that um, in the original, there apparently was more emphasis on the older ones taking care of the younger ones. And that could have been more interesting, although less creepy, probably. But um, it would have been, it would have made more sense to me how you could have reasoned with them. Because if, you know, based on their premise, when Kirk does finally reason with them at the end of it, I didn't, like, buy that they would have gone with that. Because they're basically at the point where they're just like, beat him up, beat him up. Except for bonk, 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 bonk. Because it's (laughs) more awesome. And they're, like, carrying, like, bowling pins and things like that. (laughs) And, like, beating him with them. And, like, I didn't buy that Kirk could have, like, fought them all off without hurting anyone. (laughs) Unless they weren't very committed. Yeah, I think they could have kept some of the eerie, these kids are weird and creepy stuff at the very beginning, but then, like, when you actually meet them, they're rational. Yeah, Yeah, like, maybe they're just scared, right? Yeah, exactly. They're scared at the beginning, and so they're, like, doing the, like, na-na-na-na-na creepy chanting thing as partly, like, a way to, like, ward the adults off because they're freaked out. Yeah, like that scene where they throw rocks at Spock. Uh, yeah that makes total sense that is a rational thing to do so like you could keep all of that and then like not have them be like weird feral kids who just want to burn the world down yeah and like i also it pisses me off that they're able to like kidnap and tie up rand but kirk can basically just like shake them off like it's like an annoying dog that's chewing on the hem of his pants this is why rand's whole arc if you could even call it in this episode so so annoying is because she's so incompetent the whole time Mm -hmm. and then like really children and they tied her to a chair barely she never even tried to escape it's all very frustrating Mm Hmm. yep agreed well luckily our version won't have that problem no it won't so basically we can i think we can uh, dispense with most of this conversation in the lab maybe have them science slightly more believably and speculate maybe on the fact that like maybe chapel can put in that she thinks the kids might be scared mm-hmm. and the other ones are like kids are like McCoy could be like kids are basically animals. I'd still buy that. He would basically say that. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. McCoy could be super down on kids. Spot could be kind of down on kids. Maybe chapel and Kirk are like the sort of, you guys should give the benefit of the doubt they're just children kind of speech or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what is the theme of this episode? Um... This is where I'm running into trouble because when we're rewriting it, what is our theme? What are we saying? Mm. Uh, That's a good question. Childhood 
sucks. Childhood is awesome. Like, it's definitely something to do with childhood. Well, I mean, kids need adults. Mm. But adults perpetuate mad science. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Can we put a cat in this episode? (laughs) When Jera runs out of theme ideas, she just puts a cat on it. Just put a cat on it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think at the end, instead of saying, like, they're beaming down teachers, just be like, they're just beaming down cats. (laughs) Cats for everyone. Cats and adults to make sure the cats are okay, because otherwise I'd worry. (laughs) Yeah, okay, so maybe, maybe we don't really have an answer for a theme, but I will say that they didn't have to have, like, Rand being kidnapped. They could just have the kids stealing the communicators. Because really all you need is you need Miri and Kirk to end up with the kids, with the Lost Boy kids. The only thing, the only reason they did that is like it was further, it was supposed to be further tension for Kirk because they're all starting to go slightly mad from the disease. And Kirk is like, I need to find Janice, rah, 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 in addition to like, I need to find the communicators. Mm -hmm. Although then he seems more lucid as soon as he starts talking to the kids, so... Whatever, go figure. But I don't even know if we need to have the kids steal the communicators. Why can't we just have Miri and Kirk going to them and them trying to convince them? Um, well, it's a, like a time thing, right? But they could, I mean, all of that is adjustable, right? Like, it's supposed to be that they need the computer from the ship. Without the computer, they don't know if the vaccine's going to work. It could be, what does he call it, like a vial of death or something? Yeah. We could just speed up the uh, virus. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So instead of seven days, which, why are they just chilling in this for seven days? Like, if you want to add tension, just make it two days. And also, we could, well, we could also have Uhura and team working on things on the ship. Yeah. Maybe it's more like five to seven days, like the length of your first period. (laughs) Sure. Bring it back to the period, always. (laughs) Well, maybe, so maybe like Uhura and the people on the ship could be finding out where these, like, kids came from. Because maybe there's, like, a serious issue communicating with them. And maybe, okay, maybe they're worried about the timing, but they're also worried that the kids won't all let get vaccinated. Like, that they won't all let them Mm. inject them because there's distrust. They need to, like, bridge a communication issue. And maybe Uhura and people are able to dig up information that can shed light on their background and help them to communicate. Okay. I like that better than what we got. The other thing, too, is are these the only kids left, or is this, like, a worldwide issue? Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it just affects New Michigan. Uh. <laughs> 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 oh, that's a bummer. That's oh, a Jerry, bummer. you just won the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Michigan 2.0. But yeah, I mean, we could just make it a more of a global problem, which would give Uhura something to do. Yeah, maybe they end up like disseminating the virus through the atmosphere or the uh, vaccine through the atmosphere or something. Yeah, I mean, it makes just as much sense as the science they did do. So, yep. <laughs> I think if it's a vaccine, that means it had to have been a virus. There you go. If they're using the language correctly. Which on TOS is a big if. (laughs) Yep. Okay, so then where we're at in the episode is Miri and Kirk go to try to find the kids. But then they are startled by Louise 
who is another like puberty girl who is dying and jumps on Kirk's back and dies after he stuns her with a phaser. I think all of that can stay. The way she's sure. holding on to him like a monkey and he's yeah. just like flailing is yeah. gold, man. Well, and also all the kids being afraid of them and stuff and like running away, That that's fine. And also she gives she gives him an entry point with them. Like, do you want to end up like, with like Louise? Like the fact that mm-hmm. Miri recognizes yes. her and yeah. sees it, I think that all of that is good. It's good tension yes. stuff. So I, I think that this is a, a scene that can stay. Plus, okay. who can get over her her piggybacking on Kirk while he flails? That's amazing. Yes. Let's cut the part where Kirk makes Mary sharpen pencils. Yeah, what <laughs> was that? It's like, what's that? is he just giving her busy work to keep her from yeah, panic? Yeah, totally. Because that's all I yeah. can think of. We could totally use some like, more pencils. Are these enough? And he's like, oh, I think we could use some more. Like, it. yeah, that's totally just busy work. Just, I mean, there's got to be something more important she could do. She's not, uh, you know... She's not, in, like, really dumb. She can go and be talking to the kids. She can be trying to locate them. I don't know why they're so, like, they seem to be really worried that, like, I don't think they're worried Mary's going to run away, but they seem to be really worried for her safety because the other kids are feral. But I feel like they could trust her a bit more. Yeah. Or maybe, like, instead of, you know, Rand and... Miri just going for a walk to like occupy Miri. Maybe Rand and Miri or Chapel and Miri could be going out. Chapel probably is useful doing medical research, but like they could be going out trying to like figure out where the kids are hiding or something, or like trying to reason with John or something. Something better than sharpening pencils. It's a low bar. Yeah. But I think we can clear it. So then they talk about the disease process and they find out that Spock is a carrier so he can't go he can't go back to the ship and there's that cute moment where he's like and I do want to go back to the ship and then Kirk grins at him and you're like they belong together yeah that's exactly what I thought too I'm not even yeah. gonna front they made eyes at each other and I was just like dream weaver <laughs> um, and then they talk about what the symptoms are gonna be uh, intense fever, great pain in the extremities, and fuzziness of vision. And then those are just the early symptoms. I feel like people should have the early symptoms already. Yeah. Especially if we upped the timeline for the tension. Hmm. Yep. That would also make McCoy's decision way more rational than it is. Mm-hmm. And also make sense why he panics that hard. Yep. Because, you know, injecting yourself with possible death. Seems like last yep. resort, and he kind of goes to it a little quicker than I feel like McCoy would go to it. I mean, he does a good job of making it clear that he's not in his right mind, but still. Mm-hmm. I also love that Spock is like, no, Doctor, you can't take this virus. Don't do it. And then he sets it down and walks outside. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I sure oh. would hate it if you'd injected yourself with this, McCoy. I was like, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so that just, to me, was really funny. It's like, I wonder yeah. what he's going to do. Yeah, exactly. Well, and further to our point, then there's like a captain's log at this point where they're like, this is the second day of seven. We found nothing. The Enterprise is standing ready to assist us with labs and computers. And you're like, why are they not already assisting you? Yeah. Why have you just made them stand by for two days? <laughs> so this is, uh, we have dealt with this problem by having Uhura and team work on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
maybe we can meet some other doctors on the ship. And then this is when the kids steal the communicator. So we're saying they don't need to steal the communicators. Uh, I mean, I think it would still be helpful. I mean, although I don't know why, what would motivate them to if they're not like, if they're not bad kids? Yeah, Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, is like, Hmm. what is their motivation for? Because their motivation for stealing communicators in this is basically just to be shits. What if there there could be something like a storm or something else that prevents them from communicating? Like some other factor that would like add tension and make it, you know, difficult because the crew on the Enterprise is doing important things that the people on the ground need to know. See, I think you could eliminate the we can't communicate issue and still create suspense around the vaccine. Yeah. Because it Like, those things aren't quick, right? Mm -hmm. McCoy could come up with something and say, I think this is going to work, but we need to run it through the computers and the computers run it, but that can take more time, right? We're not going to have an answer until it's too late. So we have to take a risk and decide if we're going to inject this or not. So another question for Sue Science Corner. Uh Uh-oh. How do vaccines work? (laughs) Roughly. I wrote a paper on this in ninth grade biology (laughs) many years ago. So vaccines generally work before you get the virus because what they are, they are cut up pieces of the virus uh, so that they can't actually infect you when you get the vaccine, but your body reacts to them anyway, creating a resistance slash immunity to said virus so it knows how to fight it. So if you already have a virus and you are given a vaccine, it probably, if my memory serves, would not do anything. That was my understanding as well. And so I was a little confused. But I mean, doesn't mean you couldn't inject something that would kill a virus, but it would be Yeah, just right make it a cure. Make, yeah, call, we found a cure. We found an antiviral medication, mm-hmm. whatever. We engineered a thing to attack the pathogen yeah see i think it would be better if instead of spock setting down the the cure because now it's a cure and walking out of the room mccoy could just be like i am willing to take this risk and that would be plenty of tension if he still goes in because i thought that that scene was actually quite effective where he like falls to the ground and spock is like checking on him and then they don't know whether or not it's working i thought all that worked pretty well it just Mm -hmm. seemed like an extra silly thing that he did that on his own so apparently there's something called a therapeutic vaccine that can help the immune system to better recognize a virus and attack it but vaccines are not cures it's not the same thing one thing that I sort of failed to mention in the part with Louise where is that like after Louise attacks them and then dies and like Miri's really upset and Kirk is also like holding her in a way that's like also kind of intimate and I maybe would have made that someone else or maybe it would have been better if it just hadn't been so creepy earlier on. Or it could be Rand. Yep. Also, we have we we're just gonna cut the part about Rand and look at my legs, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's we just, we just have them all like getting sicker. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so then they, at the end, Kirk comes in to, to, like, try and beg for the communicators back and stuff. I still think that they need a convincing scene, like, he goes and talks to them, but I think it would be better if 
It was Miri instead of Kirk that does it. Yeah. Right, because she's not dumb. She mm-hmm. understands, and she can explain to them what's going yeah. on and why they need to listen. The way Kirk did it was, first of all, he didn't actually tell them the most important stuff first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like, look, you guys are hitting me in the face. That means you're doing the hurting. And I'm like, I don't know that that, like, would actually work. Just say that you have a cure, man. Like, there's no need for all this. Yeah. So if you do Miri instead, first of all, it gives her more agency. It gives her more interesting arc. And secondly, she can actually communicate to them in a way that Kurt can't. Makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, I really didn't buy that, like, with their uh, supposed level of child psychology that they would have, like, responded to that argument. Uh, That's basically like a... You know, you say adults are, or grups are bad because they hurt people, but you're the ones beating me in the face with a bowling pin. <laughs> uh, this episode has some amazing moments. It does. <laughs> yeah, so I agree. Convincing scene, Mary's in charge. I also, I'm just not, so in the original premise, when they leave, once the kids get the cure, do they assume that they're still going to keep aging really slowly? Yeah, they don't say. In our version, it doesn't matter, because they're just kids. Yeah. They're not, like, super-aged adults. Or ch- childlike adults. Yeah. Because um, that would be weird. Yeah, they don't even they don't even address it. Like, it has that whole TOS thing where, like, they get some sort of solution, and then they cut straight to the bridge, and they're leaving. Yeah. Which has always been very abrupt. I feel like they should have at least, in the original said, like, they're going to go back to having normal lifespans now or something, because if they don't, then basically they, then the original scientists succeeded, and all they needed was this cure to make their disease, like, the the engineered pathogen work. Yeah. But, like, if you added to the ending so it's not so abrupt, it would balance some of the stuff that we cut. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So maybe we get more background, like maybe we meet some of the people that are going to go down and work with these kids. I was thinking more along the lines of we go back to Uhura doing a global solution. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, just something. But even still, like, we need to find out, you know, they're not going to just leave all these kids by themselves. So I think it is fair to say, like, they're going to send down a team of people or else evacuate the planet. But if it's a whole planet full of kids, then that might not be realistic. Yeah. So maybe we, like, meet the ship that's coming to meet them with, like, the experts and the teachers or something. Mm. Or see something, some sort of conclusion with Miri where Miri is going to be, like, maybe we see that her getting the vaccine. Which also, I'm pretty sure that even if it's cure, it doesn't just make your blotches instantly disappear from your face. Yeah, but that was cold, oh, Jerry. 24th century cool. medicine. Yeah. I mean, that woman grew a new kidney in, in, in Sue's favorite moment. <laughs> she took pill. a pill and she grew a new kidney. <laughs> How weirdly specific of you to remember that. Of course I remember it. <laughs> okay, okay, fine. Suspension. It looks cool! Disbelief. That's what's important. Hey, yes. I watched a Voyager episode this week where the doctor just, you know, injects some genetically changing material into somebody's neck and their entire like physical form changes immediately. <laughs> okay. 
fine. You lose, Jerry. You lose. <laughs> All right. Well, sure. So yeah, but so how how should things wind up with Miri as a character? Because also, like, they just I don't even know. Like, we just don't even. She doesn't have a conclusion, I don't feel like. I think if we're establishing her earlier on as, like, the leader here, then – and we're also establishing her as being more intelligent than she Mm -hmm. is in the episode that aired. I think we we have a discussion of, like, I'm going to make sure to take care of these people and thank you for helping us. And we're looking forward to – fixing this and maybe we can blah 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 and like the button scene that we get on a lot of TOS episodes Mm -hmm. instead of them joking about like I don't date older women right yeah that would make sense Mm. I think our episode's better guys it it was better from the moment we called it bonk bonk (laughs) (laughs) I agree (laughs) well and uh, we're we're kind of at our, you know, approximate time for an episode. So is there, do we have any final thoughts or are we going to leave it at that? I think this episode has some interesting moments in it, but I still don't get what the theme is. I don't get the theme of our episode, but at least it's more enjoyable. Yeah. I think this one is just supposed to be a shenanigans episode like a science fiction episode yeah. of like look at this thing that's yeah. happening on this planet that we can't wrap our heads around i don't think we're quite at the morality play stage yeah, yet i agree i don't think it's supposed to really have a message other than maybe like a secondary message of don't mess with life extension but and maybe that kids are basically animals a lot left to their own devices but i don't think that it was meant to be like, you know, one of the great TOS message episodes. And it's more just like they encounter an interesting problem and they solve it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so we, good job, guys. Uh, <laughs> way to rewrite an episode. Now we just need to get someone to shoot bonk bonk. Yes, exactly. And uh, thanks to the listeners who suggested doing an episode rewrite, um, we just sort of chose this one, like I said, based on one that was salvageable and, uh, uh, but still a little bit problematic. So hopefully you enjoyed it. And, uh, if people want to suggest a specific rewrite or send us any other feedback, you can do that by emailing crew at women at warp.com or visit us on Facebook or Twitter at women at warp or on our website, women at warp.com. So that is it for us for tonight. Andy, where can people find you elsewhere on the internet? Easiest place is on Twitter at First Time Trek, where I'm live tweeting through my first time through Star Trek. And Sue? I am on Twitter at Speltor. That's S P A L T O R. And I'm Jerry, and you can find me on Twitter at J A R R A H Penguin. That's Jerry Penguin. Or on Tumblr at trekkiefeminist.tumblr.com. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.